Well, good morning, everyone. I am glad um, that today is today, and we have the ability to gather uh, and be in the Word um, and stand with everyone. We're continuing a series that we started last week called Clarity. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm pretty sure most of us could use a little bit more clarity uh, in 2021 um, as the dumpster fire that was 2020 goes away and uh, we try to make sense of what we do in the days and weeks and months and the years to come. Um, so my one thing that I want you to hear today is clarity helps you stand firm. And there is a, a wave of things that are coming against you, uh, not just to mention the sanctity of life. I mean, there are so many wars that are waging in our world that we're so unaware of. And if you don't know where I'm going, I'm going to be in Ephesians 6 today, um, 10 through 20. But I want us to have some clarity. So in our clarity, we can stand firm as we move into 2021, which we're already here. But it's going to continue to go regardless of whether we want it to or not. Amen to that. So let me ask you one question. If you weren't here last week, this is going to be a little confusing, but that's all right. Over the last seven days, I challenged you at the end of last week's sermon. Over the last seven days, did you work your reading plan? Did you get in the Word? Did you pray over your list? Did you create a list to be praying over? And did you contact your partner? Did you invite somebody into this desire to have more clarity by being in the Word and and specifically praying over things? Did you invite somebody into that to say, hey, I'd like to stand, I'd like for you to stand with me as I try to stand in 2021? If you didn't, why not? I mean, you're, you're, you're here. Like, if you're here last week and you're here this week, why wouldn't you be interested in doing something that's going to cultivate more of your spiritual health and well-being? Clarity will not come without sacrifice. Nothing worth having is ever going to just happen. Your waistline is not going to stay or reduce without something changing. And I say that because it's January and everybody's thinking about it. Maybe not, because if you listened last week, the 12th, most New Year's resolutions ended. So at least the fitness part of it. So this week will be no different. If you aren't willing to submit and surrender to the source of life, life, then you will have to conquer whatever you're up against all by yourself with your own power. Which is really what I'm going to, we're going to wrestle with today. We try to solve, and I'm not, if this isn't you, don't be convicted. We try to solve most of our issues, most of the things that are going around us, most of the things that are happening to us, only in the flesh. We only war in this one way, and it's, it's the most natural way because it's the way we live. We literally live. We do everything in the flesh. 
And it's so easy to let our world just be going on around us in only war in this one way that we've been used to warring in. But hopefully today in the text, a very familiar text, if you've been around um, Scripture for a while, if you've been in the church for a while, you've, uh, if you've been in the church long enough to have the flannels, you know, the little Velcro, like, they're like the armor, you know what I'm talking about. So we're heading into Ephesians 6 to clarify what we're up against and to see how we're called to battle. And I said this, maybe I should start saying this literally at, um, after the intro. If you want God to speak to you today, ask for it. Just sitting there, invite the Holy Spirit. Here, here's this power source that we have access to. You, why, I'm getting ready to pray before we get into the text. If you want God to speak to you, ask for it. We don't have because we don't ask. And if you need clarity, if you need God to speak to you in 2021, start asking. Keep asking. Start knocking. Keep knocking until he responds. Let's pray. Lord, remove our blinders. As we're unwilling to or ignorant to or whatever the reason that we're, we're missing this great thing that's going on, this spiritual warfare that's going around us. Lord, I pray that you would take off our blinders so that we could see how to participate in what's going on, how to war correctly. Lord, I pray over your text today that more than anything that I say, anything that stirs emotion, that your truth in your word would speak louder. Lord, let us feel the conviction that moves us to action in areas of our life that we're unwilling to war, unwilling to stand firm in. Lord, in your gentle hand, would you pull us back to this understanding that if you're for us, who can be against us? Let us rest in you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to give you a little idea, and I know when, um, I think the end of last year I, I preached out of something in Ephesians, but I'm, when I'm in a book, I like to give you a little understanding of what the book was, just for your own understanding. So we're, we're, we're going to talk about ten verses out of the last chapter of a book written by Paul to the church in Ephesus while he was in prison. This was a large city. It was the epicenter for worship of Greek and Roman gods. Talking about spiritual warfare. Here is a climate that is surrounded for, uh, surrounded by, I mean, in Christianity wasn't, this isn't, you know, Ephesus was not the south where there's a church on every corner. Um, Christianity was going into foreign territory. And so Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesians. And um, chapters 1 through 3 is to clarify the gospel, to make sure that they understood what they're standing for, who they're standing with. And chapters 4 through 6 take that response. So if we trust and believe in the gospel, how should we act and respond? And so the last 
three chapters of Ephesians is him basically saying how to live godly lives in our marriage, with our children, in our work, and all these things. And he's telling them these difficult things that in that culture they were supposed to live like Jesus. And he ends all of that with what we're going to be in today to stand firm. So he tells them all these very difficult things. There was challenges for the life of the Christians in Ephesus. And there's challenges for us today to live whole, godly, Christ-centered life. And what he's going to do in the ten verses that we're going to cover today is he's going to give us a method for standing firm, which isn't optional. When he says to put on the whole armor of God, he didn't say, hey, pick the one you like and go with it. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And I'm going to do my best, and there are great teachings about this. Um, You could probably spend um, however many weeks teaching literally on every single implement. So forgive me for in the next 30 minutes trying to get what I feel like God wants to speak to us today about. That's the great thing about the Word of God is it's living and active. It's always Ready to speak. So here we go. We're going to be in Ephesians um, chapter 6, starting in verse 10. They're going to be on the screen, about said board, behind you, which technically it's board, I guess. So we're going to start in verse 10. It says, finally, so he's just given them all this teaching on what to do, how to live godly lives, how to live in the world that they are in at the present moment, moment, moment. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So he doesn't say, finally, hey, all that I've given you, do it well under your own power and your own strength. He doesn't say, go out there, I'm gone. Go out there and conquer. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We're strong. And let me just tell you, you are And that word you is behind me going to us. Incapable of making any lasting change in our world without Jesus. Without the power, influence of the Holy Spirit. Because if we are under one kingdom moving forward, this may be a shocker, that kingdom is the only thing that matters. In our Christian world, There is no other kingdom. There is one kingdom moving forward. So the only thing that's going to matter in the eternity is the work that we do in and through the movement of the kingdom of God. So he's saying, be strong in the Lord. And then he goes to them. How are you going to do that? He says, but put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand, and he says this multiple times. I think we're, like Peter, ready to pull out that sword and cut everybody's ear and arms and fingers and whatever else off. And he's saying, stand firm. This schemes, this Greek word, is where we get our English word for method. Um, Can I get an amen that the devil has methods for destroying your life? There are even methods that we don't even understand, but... I'm going to do my best to point to you over and over again. We ignore the methods 
of this scheme, this, this plan that's going on behind us. And for those that were saved in the 80s or 90s and ever read this present darkness or this piercing darkness, let me just, a little nugget, read it. Read those. I'm not saying they're the gospel, but it will get you in the mindset that there is something bigger going on outside of us. We, we get angry and we're like, and, and we forget that there's this whole spiritual thing that's going on around us. But the devil has methods. He's had methods from the beginning. He toyed with Eve like, oh, oh did God really say? And so how do we stand against the methods, the schemes? We put on the whole armor of God. And really, the whole reason why I wanted to, today, I wanted to teach out of this text is verse 12. Which is this big idea. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness. Maybe where he got his book title. (laughs) against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The wrestling that you're doing, the war that you're waging right now is not merely flesh and blood. That's what you see. That's what you experience. But there is a cosmic war going on around you. Everything... It's pulling you in a direction that's outside of God's presence, outside of God's will, is a scheme trying to waylay you. It's a war. And I, I just want you to realize it's time to, we've got to wake up. And I'm just saying, I'm gonna, I want to acknowledge that I'm as guilty as you. I mean, 2020 was kind of like, I don't know, like, He's kind of like, well, let's wait and see. And I, I just want you to understand that we, we can no longer wait and see what happens. We've got to be persistent in warring against what's going on. And, and let me say, 90% of what I'm talking about today isn't saying, go take this stand in whatever. of what I'm saying right now is that if we don't war in our prayer life, if we don't war in asking God to do the impossible, our fleshly things that we do won't have impacts. Now, and also not saying, hey, only pray and do nothing else. So just in case you hear either side of that, not what's happening. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we live in the world, which we do, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world, our prayer life. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. whole different sermon on strongholds. Power to demolish strongholds. The strongholds, the places where the enemy has said, this is mine. I'm going to say, sanctity of life is one of those things that the enemy has said, this is mine. And I'm going to destroy generations of people. Husbands and wives, those with a significant other in the room. 
You're not going to like this. Your war with your spouse when they happen, and they do. No one in this room does not war in the flesh with someone that you live with. And if you have, let us know how you figured out how to evade all of that. Maybe hiding in your room and never coming out. I don't know. But husbands and wives, this isn't, your war isn't against each other. I mean, every single relationship that there's conflict in, there's war going on. And if we only, like if I literally only deal with what's going on in my relationships physically, meaning like speaking those words, and I'm going to win this argument, or, or, you know, pouting, because we love husbands, love to just discreetly, maybe it's just me, okay. We'll move on. Um, if it's not, don't elbow your significant other. But it's not a war. Like every war, every relationship that we, go, we have in our life, we have to look at it through these two sides. It's not just flesh and blood. So how do we fight spiritual battles? We put on the whole armor of God, stand firm, and pray. 13, it says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand firm. Put on the whole armor, not just a piece of it, and we're going to go through it, that you may be able to withstand. So if the evil day, if things that are happening to you are just knocking you out and and knocking you out of the game or knocking you down on the ground, you're probably missing something in the list that we're just getting ready to go for. And I want you to say, if you have none of these on right now, (laughs) there's no guilt or condemnation. Just war up. Like, start getting dressed in the morning. And, And I don't mean for those... Who have at you're like? Do you guys? Do, what, you got a belt of truth on? You got a breastplate of righteousness? Um, no, but we can strategically, just like he says here, armor up for clarity. And if we want clarity, this is how we get it. So, fourteen it says, "Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth." And I, this is the first. Thing that he mentions, and, and notice what it is. There, none of the others are effective without truth being central to them. In, in, in this um, picture of, of these soldiers, of where he's getting this from, the belt literally holds the, tr- holds the sword. The belt literally holds on the breastplate. So without, this, without understanding and knowing the truth, we miss the ability to really have anything that follows this. And I want you, I want, I want to say this, I wrote this in my notes, and sometimes notes help me and sometimes notes don't help me. But this is what I want you to hear in this, because I think you, some people can hear truth and go, yes, I know biblical truth, yes, I have good doctrine. I want you to understand that this belt of truth isn't just knowing the truth, it is living that truth. Because so many of us, like, I know lots of biblical things, and that we know them. So, we, yes, I, I have truth. Truth is not truth unless you're using it. We only believe in parts of the Bible that we actually do. There, there has to be some act, active part of that. Truth 
holds everything else together. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects all the vital organs. If you don't know this, and I'm not a doctor, okay? Everything that's behind this part of your body, without those organs, you don't live, right? So that, that's my, there's my scientific. <laughs> but what the, you have to protect this, these vital organs. If you don't have them, you don't live. And one thing to understand here, this is not only the righteousness that was given to us by faith in Jesus, justification, but this is also that living right of sanctification, this process of us. Because let me, you, want, you, want to, you want to eliminate the schemes of... This is the most practical thing I may say. If you want to eliminate the schemes that the devil has to use against you that are effective, start doing the right thing. And then you eliminate his ability to accuse you justly for something that you've done. Because most, most of what he does is just lying to you. Saying, God doesn't really love you. All these other things. But when we give him practical things of, that we do and, and choices that we make, words that we speak, things that we view online, fill in the blank. We give him the ability to accuse us and that accusal um, have a lot of power. But walking upright eliminates most of his real ability to attack us. So we, we have this truth on, we have this breastplate of righteousness, which is understanding what Jesus has done for us on the cross, but also living as he's commanded to us to. And then in verse 15 it says, And the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Ready. We're still standing firm. This is us understanding, like Paul said in chapters 1 through 3, us understanding what the gospel is. Readiness. In, in war, if you have bad shoes on or no shoes on, your, without your feet, have you ever sprained your ankle? Without stability down here, it's very difficult to war correctly. Without understanding this gospel that we stand on and stand firm in, we can easily fall, we can easily trip. Verse 16, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, which come. They're there. Some of us right now in this, in, in this spiritual place in this room have literal, I mean this sounds comical, we have arrows sticking out of us spiritually that are just on fire. Like, hey, I'm good. It's just a mere flesh wound. No problem. In this day, imagery, in this day, the shield was about two and a half feet wide and about four feet tall. They were to guard you, and they actually would treat when they'd go into war, because this was this is this idea of flaming arrows was something that actually happened. They would dip the ends of the arrows in this stuff that would burn through the air, and it would land onto these these are wood shields. So they would treat the outside of the shield before the battle, and they would soak it and get it wet so that it would extinguish the arrows. But it blocks this shield of faith blocks these arrows from sticking in us. 
which that's a good thing, right? We don't want arrows in our body, especially if they're burning. It blocks those and distinguishes, it extinguishes them. And the great thing, if, if any of y'all have seen um, how Vikings or Spartans warred together, they had shields that locked together. So two and a half feet is not going to block an arrow from coming from this direction. But if you're standing next to your buddy that has a shield, next to a buddy, you have this shield lock that protects you, which is one reason at the end of service last week I said, have a partner, have somebody that is warring with you. Because they get to protect your blind spot. That's why we will continue to over and over again beat the drum that we need each other. I would not still be standing in this place without the benefit of other brothers and sisters that have stood with me over the last 18 years of ministry that have picked me up off the ground, who've guarded me from things. I'm telling you, we need each other. Verse 17, it says, and take on the helmet of salvation. Protect your mind. We move, we had a whole series on this, we move in the direction of our strongest thought. If you're not guarding what's going on in your noggin, (laughs) noggin, you're going to move in whatever that thing that's churning in your head is telling you. If that thing churning in your head is telling you over and over again and you're not dealing with it, you're not taking it to the obedience of Christ, that you are, you know, what at worthless, blah, blah, blah. You're going to be like, I'm worthless. You're, that's what you're going to, how you're going to exist. You have to. We put on this helmet of salvation. We know and the beauty of salvation is we know that in ourselves we did nothing to earn it. Jesus, in his work on the cross, did the work for us. It's what guards us. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. When you renew this, what did Jesus do when the devil came to him in the desert to tempt him after 40 days? I mean, I get hangry after about 12 hours. I can only imagine 40 days later. But 40 days later, the the devil comes in. And here's what he does. That's why truth is important. The devil takes the word because he knows it better than we do. He takes the word and he twists it a little bit, just like he did with uh, Eve in the garden. He twisted a little bit, and so he came to Jesus and says, doesn't the word say? And what did Jesus say? And he had the power to do anything. He could have been like, Satan, get out of my face. See, we wage war in the flesh, and that's what we do. After 40 days, and I know, you know, I know who, like, I know who Jesus is. Jesus knows who he is, and Satan, he's like, you little, you're, you're a, but what does he do? He does. What we have the ability to do, which is speak the word of truth. And all Jesus said, which I'm getting into my next point, all Jesus said is this is the word says. His war was with the truth, which holds these things together. And the last part of 17, which is the only offensive piece in this arsenal, 
It says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We only have one offensive weapon, and it is the Word of God. And here's a question, convicting question. How well do you know it? Because if you don't know it well, the enemy will use that against you. And I'm not saying you have to know everything. I'll be the first to admit there is so much of it that I do not know. There's things that I, I constantly like, man, why, where has that been? Where, why have I missed this? There's so much. But we have to be in the Word constantly, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us, to expose the truth so that we can know it. Because we cannot use a weapon very effectively. It'd be like giving all of our soldiers in our U.S. military weapons, telling, showing them pictures of it, showing them, telling them how it works, but never allowing them to touch it until the war comes. And then here you go. I mean, how well is that going to go? And this is what we do. We, we go, okay, well... Because we need to know it in the middle of the night when you get woken up and you feel overwhelmed by something. You need a you need scripture to speak against whatever when you're when you're having a conversation with somebody having that right verse. And this is the beauty. I love that at the end of Jesus's ministry, when he's going to heaven, he opens their eyes to what they'd already heard. And I believe this is what the Holy Spirit does. We have to be in the Word. We have to know the Word. But the Holy Spirit gives you these... It's amazing at certain moments. I'm not even thinking about that Scripture. I don't remember the last time I read that Scripture. But in that moment, having a conversation with somebody... Now, I might not be able to quote it all or give them... But the good thing about Google right now is if I know three or four verses of the... Ver- I can get, oh, this is out of whatever. But we've got to know it. That's what the devil schemed against Jesus. And all he did was war with the Word. So how's your arsenal? How's your belt? How's your truth? How's your righteousness? How's your helmet of salvation? How's your shield of faith? Are your feet ready? Standing in the truth and peace of the gospel? And this isn't condemnation to go, then you shouldn't be here. This is why you should be here. You should be here so that you hear these things and you start working towards putting... Because if we're going to stand against the schemes of the enemy, you've got to put on the whole armor of God. And then what he, what he does here in verses 18 through 20. He, said all of, he tells them all these things. And then he, in 18 he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications. Prayer is not preparation for war. It is war. I I found this quote. I liked it. It says, Prayer is not a bell to call the servants to satisfy our desires that we happen to fill. Prayer is a battlefield transmitter to stay in touch with the general. You want to diffuse what the enemy is trying to do? Stay connected. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. If you want to do something for me, pray for me. This is the most difficult job I have ever undertaken. I experience so much warfare. It is on me. 
And here's Paul, who is in prison, saying, pray for me. And it's amazing what he prays for. He didn't pray to let me out of jail. Making supplications for all the, all the saints, and also for me. So all of them, and me. That the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel in prison. Which is what got into prison, speaking boldly. And he's still praying, give me, because he's still kingdom bound. He's still kingdom, even though he cannot move forward, he can still have influence on the kingdom. And I've said this, we would not have most of what we have in the New Testament if Paul wasn't imprisoned. Because he, he did not sit still long enough. He went from one city. He just he wanted to disciple, train, preach the word. And he would have done that. And, and probably, I'm not speaking because I don't know, but prison provided him an opportunity. So that, and like, just, this just popped in my head. There's things like prison that are going to happen to you that you don't have any control over. And you're going to go, why is this happening? Why does God not like me? And I want to challenge you, like Paul, is that what if God placed you there? What if you looked at it through the lens of going, God, what do you want to do here still? Because I'm here in this moment. Because some things we have no control over, we can't change. Paul could not just go, I'm done with prison, I want to leave. He was there. We've got to look through our lens. If, if verses like Romans 8.28 are true, all things happen for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? All things. Whatever the worst thing that you're thinking right now that is going on in your world or your life, God has purpose in it. Verse 20, it says, For which I am the ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Church, clarity helps you stand firm. So you might be thinking, oh, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm reading. And I challenge you that your, your reading... And I've struggled with this a long time. I've grown up in and around church, and there's always been this underlining, you should read the Bible. And so a lot of times I feel guilty when I haven't read the Bible because I want to be able to tell people that I've read the Bible, not because I want to connect with the living God. And I want to challenge you as I'm going to challenge you right now to continue. One more week. Don't think about what happens past the next seven days. Think about the next Seven days, I want you, if you haven't already or you weren't here last week, I want you to wake up in the morning and confess and repent. I want, to wait, I want you to wake up in the morning and take inventory of what happened. Ask the Holy Spirit to expose things that you may not even be aware of. Confess them. Stay right. Repent if necessary. Repent to whoever you've done something to. But stay in that place. Develop a prayer list. And I'm going to challenge you to not just make them about you and what you want God to do for you, but expand that list to what you want to see God do in our world for people, but have a list. If you haven't already, find a reading plan. And I don't want you to have a reading plan. And I know for those that are on the Bible app, there's a lot of pressure because your friends be like, 
Oh, so-and-so didn't read today. (laughs) Oh, Heath just read four days today. (laughs) I want to challenge you not just to read, not just to click a button, not just to let it go. You know, sometimes we'll plug it in and listen to it, but we're not really listening to it. I challenge you to read this week for connection, not checking the box. Connect, ask. The Holy Spirit, hey, speak. This is your word. This is how you communicate to us the most clearly. Not that God doesn't speak to us in other ways, but this is the clearest way. Speak to me today. Show me. And get a partner. Invite somebody in. Uh, I love Chris. Text me uh, uh, in at I think Sunday or Monday and was like, partner, we've been texting this week. And it's just encouraging to know that someone is... Asking, how's, how's your going? I get to ask how you're going. And there's, there's a power. Because if we make decisions of these big things that we're going to armor up, but we don't tell anybody, it's real easy to not get up the next morning, not do the whatever thing that you have laid before you. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. I would love for the next three to four minutes, as we worship, as we sing, as we declare things in the heavenly places, to take an inventory of what your arsenal looks like. Take an inventory of what your life spiritually is looking right now and have an honest assessment. At the end of that honest assessment, say, God, I need help here. I need you here. And then ask. Here's here's the beautiful thing. Right now in this room, in the senior center, this isn't a, you know, brick by brick church building. Right here in this moment, the power of the Holy Spirit is here. Waiting for you to invite. Waiting for you to say, I need help. Because that's been his desire the whole time. His desire has always been, I want to be the one that you lean on. I want to be your strength. And if you feel like you're failing and you have no strength, then ask. Say, God, I need you. And, and continue to ask over and over again. Continue to invite him into this. And start standing firm We need to start praying for our country. Maybe you don't know, but it's been pretty tense lately. There's lots of things that are going on that we need to pray. But pray knowing. Almost, you know, I've been praying for our country over, for a while, but specifically over the last week. And at the end of my prayer, I say, but God, I trust you. I'm declaring, I want to see, you know, whatever. And I'm not talking politically. Like, I want Republicans to rule, or I want Democrats to rule. I want your kingdom come. And I want you to use people to make that happen in our country. And at the end of it, I'm going to trust you. Because whatever happens in the days and weeks and months and years to have for whatever reason, that when it happens, 
God has purpose in it. And we, as believers, have to stand firm, continuing to say, God, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And knowing that even when it doesn't look like it's what we want, he has purpose in it. And we're going to stand firm in it. We're going to encourage and lift up other believers in it. Let's pray. Jesus, many of us right now are at war within ourselves. Many of us in this room right now feel guilt and shame of what they're not doing right. And you you came into our world to be the carrier of those things, to take them from us. And Lord, I, I don't want you to take those from us so that we can add another. Lord, would you take those from us and help us walk in a way that is worthy of the calling that you've placed on us. Lord, we trust you. But more than ever, we need, we collectively, we individually need to hear your voice. We need to know you. And just as we covered in the text last week, Lord, we're drawing near to you. Lord, draw near to us. Lord, let our identity in you be solidified by us choosing to walk in a manner that pleases you. Lord, convict us to action. Convict us to be willing to dive into your word and follow its direction. Lord, for those in this room that I don't even know. Lord, I pray that you would clarify yourself to them. That they would know you. That they would trust you. That they would surrender to you. Lord, you are a good God and have communicated to that over uh, communicate that to us over and over again. And you finalize that in sending your son. To die on the cross for us to take our penalty so that we could live and have life abundantly in you. So, Lord, as we worship, Lord, I pray that you would change our view of what tomorrow will bring, what this afternoon will bring, our view of what you are capable to do in our lives and in our world. Lord, we pray diligently that your kingdom come. Your will be done in our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name.